Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. Listen, up on YouTube right now is our series, The First Family of Waterfowl. We have released a couple episodes now, so go check it out. First Family of Waterfowl. You can just go to our YouTube channel, The Big Honker Podcast. All of our episodes are there, and be sure to subscribe, like, do all that good stuff, share it with friends. So far, everybody has seemed to enjoy the series, so we hope that you would go check it out. First Family of Waterfowl, it's been a lot of fun. Go check out all of our wonderful sponsors. If you are in the market for a brand new hunting dog, I highly suggest you check out our newest sponsor, Double T British Kennels. Uh, get on the waiting list, put your name down, and they can do it all, right, Jeff? Yes, great dog. They have started dogs, puppies, everything, any kind of training you want. Great guys, take care of you. Check out Double T British Kennels on the internet at BritLabs.com. They've got a hell of a looking male i mean he's a fucking looks like a tank yes he is big dog i'm gonna tell you what now we had a we had a british lab Rhea. my dad had 25 years ago was an english field champion one of the best dogs we've ever had my great discipline uh wasn't a really big dog was a smaller dog but just done a hell of a job great dog great bloodlines uh both english and scottish bloodlines i'm a scottish bloodline too so there you go there you go Double T British Kennels. We are also brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. Uh, you don't have to say nothing else. Ducks Unlimited. Everybody knows what they do. If it wasn't for Ducks Unlimited, we wouldn't have ducks to hunt now. If you are a waterfowl hunter, you need to be a member of Ducks Unlimited. They're, everything they contribute, 80% of all their resources they collect goes back into the ducks. And that's a hell of a lot of money to go back to the ducks. It is. They do great work. And if, like Jeff said, if it weren't for them, we wouldn't have ducks. So they are working on behalf of the duck numbers and the duck hunters. Ducks it, Unlimited. It will be uh, Ducks Unlimited banquet seasons coming along. Start September, they fire back up pretty heavy. I know the Illinois chapter right now has got a bourbon uh, lotto they're doing right now. You can check it up uh, online. Just search Illinois Ducks Unlimited bourbon, and they've got some kind of uh, deal they're doing right now. I don't have much more information. I know it sounds absolutely horrible, but that's true. There you go. We're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. They have got a brand new goose call hitting the market for Squad Fest, July 15th and 16th. Um, I should have a little teaser and a little bit more information on it later in a couple days, maybe later this week. Uh, I might have one on the way, Jeff. I can't I figure you I, I can neither do. confirm nor deny. But if you are at Squad Fest, July 15th and 16th, check them out. They've got the, it's the new BA call. Um, they're really, really excited about it. And uh, they've still got the best duck call on the market, the PCD. Single read, it's, it, it's phenomenal. It's all that I use whenever I duck hunt. And yeah, they've got duck calls, crane calls, goose calls. They got it all. Check them out, PacificCustomCalls.com. And uh, let them know the Big Honker Podcast boy sent you. We are also brought to you by Dive Bomb. Buy some decoys. It's, not too, it's actually perfect time. Start building that spread for this coming waterfowl season. That is at divebombindustries.com. We are also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells, maker of the most lethal shotgun load on the market, copper plate to bismuth. They're, they're trendsetters, Jeff. I was talking to somebody, and they said, if you want to see what the shotgun market is going to do in a year or two from now, just look at what Boss is doing this year because uh, everybody else seems to follow suit. Yeah, everybody's playing catch-up with them. It's like going back to this. It's like shooting lead in the 70s. From the first time I shot it, that's exactly what it's like. Boss, way ahead of the game. 
Great people, all-American-made product. Check them out at BossShotShells.com and get those shotgun shells delivered straight to your door. Start stocking up for this coming waterfowl season. We are brought to you by Shin Gear Waiters, and let me tell you what, you thought their waiters were great. Wait until you see all the new stuff that they've got coming out. They've got vests available for pre-order on July 14th. They've got the 60 series, which is basically an everyday series, and um, I'm forgetting the other one right now, but there are three products that are, oh, the over and under. That's what it is. You can wear it with your uh, waders. It's not super bulky, so you're not like the Michelin man out there. It's nice, slim fitting, uh, nice, slim fitting jacket. But that 60 series, I'm really looking forward to it. So they're taking pre-orders starting July 14th for all of their new products. And then they will start shipping out directly after that. But go to their website, shingear.com, and you can, uh, if you're wanting waders, you can get them to you. And then if you're wanting any of these new items, uh, check them out. A lot of cool stuff coming from them. And uh, also be on the lookout because I think they've got more stuff coming out later in August. So exciting times. That is at shingear.com. We are also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors, the great Mr. Alex Langbell up there in the great state of Montana. It looks like they're finally drying out. Um, he, he's got your four-legged hunting buddy taken care of. The quick release system, I think that every dog should be clipped into that as just an added safety precaution. And um, You can buy and see Alex at the uh, Alex will Squad be, Fest. Alex will definitely be at Squad Fest and um, the field trump kit. You never know when you never know when you're going to need it. Accidents happen every single day, even if it's just a deep cut on your hand. Uh, Alex has stuff in the field trauma kit that stop a bleeding, keep you warm. I mean, he he's put a, he was a first responder for his entire career, so this is this was designed with uh, kind of every different scenario in mind. He's also got stainless steel dog bowls and uh, check cords that he makes himself right there in Montana. So. Uh, go, go by and see Alex. Just a cool dude to visit with. Yeah, just talk to him. Just visit guy. with him. He's a he's a super cool guy. Uh, he's he's very very influential influential in uh, the waterfowl world. Done a lot of cool things. So go say hello to him. We are also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Mr. Rebel Heron and Logan Pyatt put on a hell of a show. You can donate to their Patreon account, and you will have their entire library at your disposal. Um, great guys. They've become incredible friends throughout our couple years of knowing them and they're a lot of fun to listen to um the bourbon review it goes up on uh, it goes up on itunes so you don't have to have a uh, membership to that everybody can hear that but to go hear the more juicy stuff donate to their patreon and you get their full library so go check them out there we are also brought to you by alpha outdoor specialties maker of the stanfield stool no more buckets for me my hemorrhoids will be thanking me come January. It is, uh, they're going to go in our A-frames, custom fit, and they can build anything that you want. They're a fabricator. They're, they're a fabrication shop. And if you've got some, if you've got an idea of a chair or anything that you want built, get a hold of them, Alpha Outdoor Specialties, and they can take care of you. But uh, the Stanfield Stool, looking forward to it. We're also brought to you by Lucky Duck, maker of the 2x4 blind, which is... Best blind on the market right now. And best spinners that are out there, waterproof, they take a dive unexpectedly, just shake them off, dry them out, and they're back up and spinning again. Uh, remotes all pair up nice and nicely and click them on and off. Click them on when the ducks are coming. Click them off if you got geese coming. Uh, makes it nice and easy. Dog kennels out of this Dog world. Dog kennel, five-star crash test rated. That's They got 
they beefed up their sizes. They uh, they they have kennels now that fit that fat ass dog of mine, Lou. And um, I don't even think twice whenever I throw them in there. Five star crash test rated. It's the way to go. That is that lucky duck. I really really like their kennels. We're also brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey, Mr. Brandon Bing. Mr. Brandon Bing. How's it going on over there? He's weathered the glass shortage, and he is shipping whiskey. It is a beautiful whiskey. I make my whiskey sour out of it. Whenever I get time, I had a couple over the 4th of July holiday, and they are fantastic. Go to bangtailwhiskey.com. Make sure you're 21 years or older, and um, you can get it. you can get it coming right to you. Also, he's got some new music out on iTunes, so check him out. Brandon Bing, great guy. Uh, we're also brought to you last, but no, not last, but not least. Uh, we're also brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. If your coffee sucks, it is not the duck. We start our morning every single day here the exact same way, and that is with a nice steamy hot cup of the Missouri Vo- Boat Ride Blend. And, um, you know, I put a little bit of high velocity in there. Mornings, I need a little pick-me-up, but they make a great coffee and a, and portion of all of their proceeds go into great organizations like Delta, Ducks Unlimited, all that good stuff. So they, they will be at Squad Fest also? They'll be at Squad Fest. You can get your coffee for the year right there. Go up, say hello. I don't know if the General Lee will be there. They'll get Scotty Goggle's uh, autograph because yeah. he will be there. Yep. Um, but Dirty Duck Coffee, it's how we start every single day. It's great tasting coffee, and uh, you will not be disappointed. So go up, check them out at Squad Fest, and get your coffee for the year. Last but not least, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. It is not too late. If you are wanting to get on the calendar for this coming waterfowl season, give us a holler, 940-658-3172. Talk to Jeff. Tell him what you're looking for. And You want to shoot a trophy spec? I can work in a small couple of guys on November. I don't care how small you are, just a couple smaller groups. November 7th through 9th and November 14th through 16th. I got room for a couple of twos and threes if you want to add on to groups. If you want to shoot trophy spec, those are primo, primo dates. We will also be doing filming at that time, I'm sure. Anyways, give us a holler at 940-658-3172 or look us up on the web at www.stanfieldhunting.com. We appreciate everybody that's tuning in. That is all of our sponsors. Please go check them out because they do play a very important role in the making of this podcast. And it would be nice if you would go check them out, whatever you're needing. I feel like we've got a great list of sponsors here. So... Pick your poison. Go check them out. God bless you. Have a great week. Okay, boys and girls, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by one of our old guides, Mr. Mike Kimmets. We call him Mags, and he is ate up with waterfowl hunting, Um, has always been about it. He's one of the hardest working waterfowl guides that I've ever hunted with and got a great outlook on life, on guiding, on hunting. And if more people were like Mags in the waterfowl industry, it would be a much better place. So we hope that you enjoy it. Here he is, Mags. Here we go. Three, two, one. 
Boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. I am Jeff Stanfield with the world-famous Andy Shaver. What a great organization, Ducks Unlimited. 80% of everything they make goes back into waterfowl. They, they don't get enough credit for that. No, that's a good deal. If all charitable, if all, I don't know if I should say charitable organizations, but I guess that's what it is. If they all did that, would the world be a lot better off? It would be. The Clinton, I agree. If the Clinton Foundation would just give back 8%, we'd be better off. Yeah. With us today from, where the hell at in Indiana are you from today, Mags? West Indiana. Where at? West Indiana, Monticello. Monticello, Indiana, Mags. Well, Mike Kimmitz, but we call him Mags. How are you doing, Mags? Doing good today. You got all, you got you got the uh, looks like the mini warehouse behind you today. Yeah, mom and dad's house here in the barn. You know, de- definitely have enough space to store more stuff in here. <laughs> I don't know where you'd put it. You got you got to get more shelving. I tell me about it. Yeah. Now, now your grandfather was a big waterfowl hunter, correct? Apple was uh, was a pass shooter. He did a lot of pass shooting. That's what he did. And then dad actually wanted to do more decoy birds and all that. And he started making his own decoys and all that. And then then after that, then he started uh, he started buying herders decoys. So your dad's hobby was restoring decoys. Mags worked for us for a long time, and so we've known Mags for a long time. But your dad, he he would go to herders and buy their seconds and then fix them, right? Yeah, yep. Uh, Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. He seconds would be cracked to bodies, and then you'd pick them up for a buck a piece, two bucks, depending on what size. Sixty three, seventy twos. Yeah. How would he fix them? Well, he would actually burlap them. He'd actually use the glue burlap, and you know, there's a process with it. You know, you got your burlap, you got your glue, wrap them. A little sticky, kind of. Sometimes they're a little sticky mess. But just let them dry and all that, and it all worked out good, and they're a brand-new decoy with the burlap. How, how many decoys do you think your dad has owned over the years? Oh, shit. He probably owned, I don't know, probably, I don't know, two, three hundred dozen. He'll fix them up, ship them out, you know. And, and, he, and that was his hobby, though, correct? Yes, that's what he did, yeah. He painted decoys, and then he made his own out of cork. When we grew up hunting Lake Michigan – that's what we hunted over. We hunted over his decoys, all cork and wood uh, wood heads. He'd make them out of two-by-fours and just cut them all out, carve them up, and paint them. Nothing special. We're shooting all divers anyways. So you would do, would you do the flat bottom, the boats, the layout boats in the in on Lake Michigan? We did later on. We had a John Kalish layout boat. But when we grew up, Dad had an 18-foot Starcraft, and that's what we'd hunt out of Deep V. Yeah. What, uh, did you ever get caught in any storms out there in Lake Michigan? Yeah, we got caught one time when I was younger, actually. The wind switch actually was an offshore wind, and we had to get on Buffington Wall. They put me on there, and then we're all surrounded by steel mills. And Dad and my brother, they were in a boat. Dad had to ship to shore radio and called Coast Guard. And actually, they got they heard his call, and then they just came in. They tried to open the, the door, the big freaking gate on the Buffington Wall, but they couldn't find it, so I just jumped on the Coast Guard boat, and then we went in. We were done for the day. You know, <laughs> nothing bad happened. Wind switched, and we were in pretty big swells. But if they, what would have happened had they not found you? Well, we would have been fine. It was just I was just they just would had to go back out and kind of come back in and just be careful with the swells. They're probably a good four foot, five foot swells. Do you miss doing that? I mean, now because you're pretty much a field hunter now, do you ever miss the big the big open water? 
yeah, I, I do miss it, you know, shooting the divers and stuff. Yeah, old school days. Yeah, definitely. You know, we used the gang lines and all that rigs and all that. Yeah, definitely. I do. Yeah, for sure. I've been around waterfowl hunting. I'm 54, so I've been I've been involved with waterfowl hunting since I was six years old, going. And so that's 48 years of my life I've been in waterfowl hunting, and I don't think I've ever been around anyone that's more into waterfowl hunting than you are. Nobody. I don't know. I know lots of guys at every level of this business, and I don't know anyone that actually loves waterfowl hunting as much as you do because if you shoot a zero or you shoot 50, you've had just as good time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we all got to enjoy our time here, and you got to enjoy it. You know, life's short, and let's make the best of it, and let's have a good time. That's what it's all about, being out there. But. You actually, you actually do live that more than I hear people say that all the time. Then you see them with the zero, and they're fucking pretty, pretty Johnny yeah. Downer. And and Mags is not, and 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 you and you never have been, and you are a true, a true waterfowler. Now you've told me a story years ago that that always resonated. I mean, I always thought it was pretty interesting. You were there the day Tim Grounds got busted. Yeah, Timberline Hunt Club. So we all we all went in. Me, my dad, a good buddy of mine, a couple other guys. So we all go in. So. We get there that morning. It was, I don't know, five, six o'clock. We were early, so no one's there. And, you know, we're hanging out in the parking lot, and the next thing you know, here come the station wagon. Pull up, and he's by, this guy's by himself, and he pulls up. Next thing you know, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's happening? You know, we're bullshitting. And then next thing you know, here come another guy. And we're all just hanging out. And so we go do our business. We get out there. We all get set up, and we hunt. So at the end, so we're all, we, everybody limit out in it. In, in the club and all that had great time and all that. So we left and uh, some other guys were back out there running back and forth. Grounds was running people in and out, moving, moving uh, guys from pit to pit. So we leave, we go to crab orchard to go look at the refuge and you got to sign in there. So you sign in and all of a sudden we're getting ready to leave the check station. Here come the two guys that were there. They're like, Hey, you got to go back, man. Videotape. They're still killing more birds. Well, when we walked out, you know, we went and my brother noticed them that they actually went behind the counter and got on the radio. So that's what it was. The, the, those two guys were two undercover feds and they went in and then called and all the guys, every one, every one guy I think ended up getting a ticket. One, the guy that we had, he didn't get, uh, he wasn't there. He left after he was done with us, but yeah, we were definely there. So they two tried cover feds for sure. They tried to talk you into going back there. Yes, they did, because Dad had a video camera, and he's like, oh, you got to go back. you got to go back, man. They're, they're killing them. Take video and all that. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah, trying to bait you into that stuff. That's 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 crazy how that works. But you you were there that day. Now, in all your time, you hunted – you worked at a steel mill, and you would work all night and then go hunt all day. And now, was- I always I always okay, worked at a temper mill. We unrolled big coils, coils of steel. So I made sure I was on midnights or afternoons, never wanted to work days because Lake Michigan was right there. Gerald's Park was right there, and my, my buddies would wait for me, and I'd get off work about 7.30, get right there, and we'd go out and set up and just kind of hang out there all day, you know, until we shot birds. What did you ask? We've talked about him going to the, the steel mill and him hunting and stuff. Now, you you hunted the big or, the, the crab orchard. You hunted all them places. You grew up hunting, and, and you used to have pictures of the Chopham crew, and y'all would hunt around Chicago, out in the suburbs, I guess. What is is the hunting still there, like it was, or is it gone away too? 
I got some buddies that I know, and they actually uh, they they got some spots, you know, in Belpo and like that in their areas. They they do, but it's not as good as it used to be. But when they they have a field when it snows, they say go to that field, and the, these guys are good guys. They know how to kill birds, and they do. They but they have good spots. That that's the key. So. What is, is it just the, the changing in farming practices or is it the shift in the migration that is the biggest problem in Chicago? Here we got all local geese. That's the thing. So we're hunting local geese. A lot of those birds, you know, hang out, you know, in the city ponds next to Menards, all those, you know, little small towns that got, you know, stores around. So that's where they're hanging out. And you just just be lucky to do some scouting and find the right fields that they're in. Well, and I mean, and, you know, if you look, Chicago is also expanding. So I'm sure a lot of it is urbanization and losing fields around it. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I have a buddy of mine actually in Illinois, they actually losing a field this year because they're going to be developing it for sure. Yeah. I noticed in St. Louis, there was geese everywhere. All the golf courses Pretty everywhere. Much from Oklahoma stuff. city North. Yes. That's exactly right. Even Lawton, we saw some geese right. around. And, and, and the big birds have definitely changed, and I've noticed that. And since I, when I first got in business, we killed big geese right here at the lodge in the wintertime. Now, we don't have the locals. Now, the, the local geese are getting further west. They're getting close to Seymour now. And I'm going to bet you in the next five years, we start having big, some local graders that are here if they have wa if the waters. It the won't situation. be a huntable number, though. No, 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 not like that. But they're, they're moving. They've moved that early season almost now to Sherman, Texas. It keeps moving further west. But I noticed all the big geese around St. Louis. So do you do any early season hunting up there? It will, a little bit depending. Most of the time, no, I'm not, no. I'll do some uh, early teal season when the teal season comes in. But basically, no, no. I Actually, I'm going to head up to Horicon this year, but that'll be late in September. But otherwise, no, nothing early. Oh, now, you're not going to South Dakota again or North Dakota? Our group didn't get, get picked this year. I no, heard that nobody a lot of, I know nobody Falks and his dad didn't get picked. Y'all didn't get picked. I know it, it. It's just crazy. I don't. I don't know what's you know. So you can buy you can buy points and all that too. You know, and you know we don't do it, but you know it. It, it is what it is. It's you know that's all you can do. Maybe might shoot up to go North Dakota. Maybe I'll see what happens. So you can buy points there. So you can buy an out of state license. You just got to buy points to do it. Got to buy points, and then that that'll help you for the next year. So if it, I think they're ten dollars, so you can buy up to I think ten points. So you can pay a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars to get ten points, and that would ensure you'd get a license every year. Points, so it'd be it'd be a hundred bucks. And but that would but, ensure you'd get a license next year if you bought them points. So yeah, yeah. Or would it just put the odds in your favor? Well, I would I would assume me and Fox were talking about that. We were hoping that you know whoever buys all the preference points, if you got them, then they're they're going to be the first ones to be picked. That's what I'm assuming how they do that. What what happens if one guy in your group gets picked? Then everybody else is just screwed, or how, well, how does that work? The whole group gets picked. Six guys in a group. If one guy gets picked, you all get picked. Okay, okay, that's what I was wondering about. So is it better to go in like with a big group? Like if you've got eight guys, everybody put in. That way you uh, have eight shots or? Yeah. Especially if you got a group, yeah. Because if you split up, three of you guys didn't get picked. The other three didn't get picked. So, yeah, for sure. Go in a group. A big group. How many years in a row had you gone to South Dakota? Oh, ooh, I bet you 
probably a good 10 years, 12 years. And you got picked every year? Yep. Every year. Yeah. It's getting more popular. That's why when that kid, the, 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 oh, the bird, whatever the hell the hell is, COVID shit hit, there are more people in the Dakotas. Hey, tell the story about you doing the pheasant hunt and putting the birds out. Oh, okay. So we worked at a lodge up in uh, South Dakota, Clark, South Dakota. I worked up there. And so we would put out, we put pheasants out every morning for the clients. So the lodge, they charge a thousand dollars a day, three days, you know, 3000, we come in. So what we do, we'd meet up at about four 30 or five o'clock in the morning. So we call it, Hey, it's time to go deliver the donuts. And we're like, all right, we're going to go do it. So all the pheasants come in a box in a crate and there's five roosters in each one. We would load up that freaking uh, truck. And I'm telling you what we'd load it up. And then what we do is just drive right down the strips of the corn. And I would be on top and throw one of the crates on top of the roof. And you just reach your hand guys driving about 10, 15 miles an hour and just filling up that corn strip. So that's, <laughs> it, it's crazy, but that's what we did. And some of the guys didn't even know that we put birds out. Because so, you have to, you have to replace birds, right? Isn't that the, in that the law up there, quote unquote? So I mean, it. That's right. They have to. Yes, we do. We have to put so many birds out, and then when we put them out, you have to notify your uh, conservation officer, let them know you are putting birds out that day too. Tell about the skunk. Oh, that was a good one. So me and Mike, Mike another guy, and. We're driving. Actually, I'm driving that day, and he's putting out the birds, you know. So we load up. We get everything. We load up. So when they deliver the night before, they actually put them in a barn. So the barn doors were open. But we didn't know. We went to load everything up, and I'm driving. He's going. He, you know, he's, he's just letting them rip. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden, I smell a skunk. Like, what the hell's going on here? And the next thing you know, he jumps out. Boom, jumps out. He goes, there's a skunk in the crate. I'm like, no way. <laughs> so we kept the freaking crate and we went to the barn and we got a gun so i said all right you get him out and then let him go and i'll shoot him well when he got out we were over by the morton building he ran along the morton building eventually we didn't shoot him he actually got away but oh my god i'm surprised he didn't get sprayed bad it, it, it was crazy. Were the, how did he get into the into the crate i think what happened was well in the barn there's no doors so when they put them inside the barn, the donut shop, we call it, well, that skunk, all the, all the crates were on the bottom. So that skunk snuck right into the freaking one of the crates. And I'm pretty sure he probably ate, ate a pheasant or two, you know, <laughs> and then how he got in there. We didn't even know he was in there. Right. Uh, it, it was crazy. Crazy. What's crazy to me is that guys don't put two and two together when they go there. Like, man, there sure are a lot of roosters this year. <laughs> all we're seeing is roosters. Yeah, some guys do, and they'll be like, oh, or unless you got a little bit of frost and you're driving along the strip while there's tire tracks, you can actually tell, oh, what's going on here? I said, oh, no, no. I said, oh, we're good. We're just looking for some farm parts, you know, something off the tractor, you know, <laughs> just kind of make up a story, try to anyways. There was one time we're walking and one of the crates fell off and I didn't know. So all of a sudden we're coming up and I'm like, oh, damn it, there's a freaking i'm like hey easy easy I said, don't go there don't go there it's our uh that's our skunk trap easy stay away from that guy's easy we're trapping trapping skunks here just to make sure everything's good you stay away so it actually worked out good we got rid of them so it was good it was it, it actually worked worked out good i it, it blows my mind the guys that'll come here and, and i'll have a guy and, he, and he's a pheasant connoisseur and he'll be like I, I don't ever hunt birds that have been put out before i just i'm not into all that it's okay so do you pheasant? Yeah, we go to the Dakotas every year and hunt. We hunt in Nebraska and Kansas. I go, you realize that 
most of those places are putting out birds too. Oh no, no, it's all completely one hundred percent. You know, all wild birds. Not by November, said, it's not. I said, how do you think when you go hunting in December in South Dakota and you're shooting pheasants that you're hunting birds and there's still birds available, big numbers of birds, and you're killing two and three hundred birds? Oh, lots of birds up there. I said, yeah, because they replace them also. I said, I'm not saying there's not some places that have hundred percent wild bird hunts, but majority of those places have to supplement birds or they would run out of birds. Oh, absolutely. And here's what guys do. They'll start releasing them right around beginning of September. And then they actually eventually just call those wild birds. They're out there for two or three weeks. Automatically, those are wild birds. They're not pen raised birds. <laughs> yeah, that's, but the, this so guy. So then technically, we're shooting wild birds down here. If that, yeah. You know, they may not 15 if, minutes. Well, They're no, wild. Well, no. I mean, when you look, because we'll start doing pheasant hunts here late October, November, there's some carryover throughout the year. Yeah, I see birds all the way up to about March or April, March, and then well, you don't ever them, see I've, them. I've much seen after them during that. turkey season. Yeah, but after that, you don't see them much. But they get, we got a lot of fat ass coyotes. I did not realize how bad coyotes and coons are until this turkey season when it has become part of a major discussion. And did you see the relate the the Oklahoma Wildlife Department had a deal? They tracked fifteen hens, and not one of them had any pulse with them. Really? No, I didn't see that. Yep. Wow. Not one of them had a had a baby at all, and like Andy yeah. said, we don't know if those were hens that normally have. You know, who knows if they're were they past their breeding? You know, I don't know how what the breeding age of a of a turkey is. I'm assuming it's. I'm assuming if I had to guess, and this is purely a guess, I would say four is probably an old bird, in my mind. So, like, were they were they towards the end of their life? Were they and I tell you, and I cannot remember who said this, but somebody said if the breeding conditions are not right, a tom will not spend the resources breeding a hen. I could have sworn that was on this podcast, but I cannot remember well, who I don't, said it. I must have taken a piss while that happened because I don't remember that. But it's I don't know how old a turkey gets. I know a quail, a two-year-old quail is an old quail. I figure a bigger bird lasts longer. I can't imagine a turkey living to be 10 years old. No, I think it's like four or five. And so I would... but. Man, you got 15 hens with no babies. That doesn't look good for next year. Yeah, that's no that's no good. But, Andy, I think you're right. It's about four years old, four or five, you know. And, yeah, it, it, it's 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 tough. They had I seen a video on YouTube, and this guy actually put a video camera, watched a hen have the eggs, and damn freaking fox came in, kicked her off, and then freaking ate the eggs. Really? Yeah, yeah. It, I'm telling you, raccoons, foxes. And especially coyotes, they all need to be, we need to take care of them. Definitely, definitely got to take care of them. We, uh, I don't know. I, I still think something big happened that we don't know because that those flocks in Oklahoma, where have they gone to? You can't tell me that a coyote has come in and, and killed that many mature birds. Or was it just a freak accident that that's, that that's how, maybe perfect, maybe conditions were perfect and that's how we got to those big flocks, but. I don't know. You're not going to convince me that something big time, a pesticide, an insecticide or something wasn't uh, wasn't up to par and killed all these birds. Yeah, I, somebody said it might be the uh, eye worm like yep. they, uh, with the quail. Yeah. So, and, and it is definitely the drought. I think drought has a lot to do with it, too. Yeah. But, but we hadn't had a drought until this year. The right. last two springs in, in Oklahoma, those birds are gone that we used to have all them birds up there. You know, I saw, we yeah. had a guy, we had a guy had some peacocks not far from here. 
and he had thunder a lightning hit one night and we drove up to his place and there was eight dead peacocks under a tree it got hit by lightning so did maybe lightning hit a tree in oklahoma where there was a bunch of them roosting and killed a bunch i mean i don't know what happened that could kill, but, that could kill 50 but, birds probably but on the creek by where our place is up there we see three four hundred turkeys on that flock right along the river and they're i think last year i saw five or six one time we just don't have you 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 did you turkey hunt much this spring not, not not in Oklahoma. Back home here, yeah, I, I did. But you didn't go to Oklahoma like you normally do. There was no birds. I mean, two years yeah. ago, I had a couple guys coming from Kansas. I mean, uh, Kentucky. I told them, don't come. It was bad. It was terrible. Did we you, killed one bird. Did they, you drive down to Oklahoma to see what the situation was, or, or were you just relying on uh, farmers to tell you? There, probably about seven days before opener started scouting and just looking around you just don't see the numbers not even on, not even on the fields that I had just I just wanted to see numbers but there's nothing nothing it was it's terrible I don't know I don't know what I don't know what's going on hopefully the powers that be are investigating this but I mean you would still and I, I it's know. all over the southeast though you would think that there would be carcasses everywhere well, but, but I guess don't. a coyote would probably, yeah, probably eat it within a night. But you go to, you go to, it's all over the southeast because you get to Wisconsin and Minnesota, and those guys talk about they're just covered up in turkeys. I think Michigan, Michigan's cut. Brandon Sarecki yes. was telling me that they got turkey hunting stupid there because I mean there's just so many of them and they're so dumb. Yeah, and they go actually. Their longest turkey season, I think they go like June fifth or seventh, something like that. Really. Yep. But we didn't, I mean, we, but everybody from the Southeast, from Georgia to here, nobody talks about or brags about the turkey hunting mm-hmm. at all. Nothing to brag about. In Kansas, the guys in Kansas, I think Wade Skeen was telling us it was really hard. Wasn't he the one telling us about it? I think so. At, yeah. dive, at Squad Fest, about how bad she did. Did you enjoy Squad Fest? Yeah, I had a great time. It, it was, it, it was an excellent show, definitely. Now you couldn't go last year because you sell fireworks in the off season, and it was in June, so it was late June, so you were peak time. Yeah, I had to be at my store and keep the store open, definitely. Now yep. you've gone to all sorts of shows. How how does this how does the Squad Fest kind of compare to what you've seen throughout the years? Is it is it kind of one of the big boys now that you've seen? Yeah, no, definitely. Because actually, we're ju- we're we're actually losing shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got a show coming. A couple weeks, Bay City, Michigan, and no, they did a great job, but there ain't many shows anymore. And probably compared to that, and then maybe you know you got Game Fair coming up, but I've never been to Game Fair, so but no, they did an excellent job, and you know you definitely had everybody coming out, and they're all waterfall hunters. We're different shows. You're gonna have some deer hunters, guys selling different things. So definitely, Squad Fest was very good. They did a great job. I liked it being just waterfowl. I mean, I've been to. I've been to Harrisburg before, which is supposed to be the biggest one, and the Trophy Hunters in Fort Worth used to be the best show that I that I went to, but it was our local show for us, basically, and we do so much business there. And I've been to Game Fair, and we're going back to Game Fair this year. Zach, t- from, uh, Zach told me that from Boss said that Game Fair is a lot more people than at Squad Fest. But I'm going to tell you what, Saturday morning, you'd have a hard time convincing me of that because that place was packed. But it was nice to be just everybody there was a waterfowl hunter. Yeah, yeah, definitely for for sure. It was uh, it was uh, definitely good. And I used to go to the one in Chicago. A buddy of mine used to be taxidermist, so I'd go help him. I mean, there you have everybody. You know, you have fishing, deer hunters. You know, you got you got your waterfall hunters. But 
but dive bombs definitely, you know, squat fest definitely, straight waterfall hunters. That's what's nice about it, definitely. I think it helps having a big calling contest too, because you bring out all the big boys. You bring out all the big callers from around the country, and um, and then of course the vendors. You know, they want to be attached to. You can really hone in on your niche of waterfowl hunters. So if you're selling anything waterfowl related, you got a big calling contest. There's going to be a lot of people there. And then you can really sell to your target audience. Yeah, definitely for sure. And you know what too is, you know, they got, you know, a a big freaking payout for those guys. So that's what's going to bring everybody in. Plus they lost Burlington, Iowa. Right. There used to be a big contest. So now, they don't have that there now. Everybody's coming to Squad Fest, so for sure, definitely. And yeah. Rogers, we had Corey Nickham on, and he was telling us Rogers is not doing their uh, calling contest this year. They haven't done it since 2019, COVID. Oh, I'm surprised. Yeah, I, I, I thought they were going to have it. Wow. No, he was like, it's a it's a concert two nights in a row or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, and I just do not understand that. But yeah, no calling yeah, contest I, at Rogers. Yeah, I don't know why. What is uh? You're going to I lost my damn train of thought for a minute. We was talking calling contest, and fuck, I don't even know what I was going to talk about. Well, I'm getting old, I guess. Maybe I'm getting Alzheimer's. They say being hard of hearing does it to you, and I'm getting fucking hard of hearing for sure. Dementia. Do you wear hearing protection now? Because you're how old are you, Mags? Um, I'll be 51 in October. And you still just ate up with it. You don't wear hearing protection though. But I got them coming. Actually, I, actually, when I was at the NWTF, I got Tetris. So, oh, you know, okay. I got the alligator here. Remember, the alligator got me. Right. And I only need one. <laughs> you only need one. Do they give you a discount for that? Yeah, but still expensive, though. It doesn't matter. I'm probably still $1,000. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you spend $1,500 on hearing protection for, now. For everybody that doesn't know Mags, Mags has one ear. You were born with a, I guess, what, a birth defect where you only had one ear. But Mags worked for us. It was year three before anybody had the balls to ask him about it because we kept waiting for Dad to ask you because Dad asked everything. And we kept thinking, damn, Ron, surely he's going to ask pretty soon what happened to Mags' other ear. So finally we'd come up with a story. Mags jumped off a bridge, and he was diving off a bridge, and an alligator beat off his, half his ear. And that was a story. I think we told Payne that when he was little is how we started that. But we kept waiting for Dad to ask. And every guy was like, God, are you ever going to ask him, Dad? Well, I will with the right time come up. He never did ask. So anyways... So they charge you the so you you get at least for half price for having one ear, right? Kind of like half price, but by the time they put they, they they program turkey in there, ducks and geese in there. So you know it's like anything else; they just keep more add-ons. So. Do, now, did you like test run them? Because what always drew the big drawback was that they would cut off whenever I would be calling. Well, I had one guy there. He's actually invented. He's he's actually a doctor, and he actually put one in my ear, and he blew that damn duck call right by my ear, and it cuts off, but it's still normal. It's not like totally out. You know, you could still hear it a little bit. So, no, they're 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 fantastic. They're 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 very good. How many do you shoot as much anymore as you used to? I do here and there, but not as much. No, I'll just shoot at big, bigger groups, small groups, singles, doubles, you know, small flocks. No, don't even, not even worried about it. Worry about it. But no, you know what? You got to, with all the guys you got in the blind, you definitely got to have here protection. And you know what? I have one. So it's definitely, it doesn't matter what it costs. You got to protect your hearing. Right. 
How many days a year do you hunt now? Oh, I'm probably hunting almost probably by the time you add it up, maybe a hundred days. At fifty one years old. Days. Oh do, yeah, it don't get old. Do you, so you don't think that you'll ever get burned out of this? Oh no, I I I'll go till the day I die or I can't walk anymore. Right. You're the only person that I would put, that I would say that's gonna happen with because Andy was Andy's gonna hang it up within ten years, I think. And I might be wrong, but I don't see Andy guiding for ten more years. And he could. You, I think, will go until you can't go no more. Am I safe on you saying that, Andy? On you, me thinking you won't go 10 more years? Maybe sooner. I don't know. Okay. I said, well, 10 years is the max I've got for you. <laughs> but I, I really, you know, if we get enough stuff, we got enough stuff going on outside of hunting that I don't see Andy hunting for, I don't see you hunting more than three days a week in the next two or three years. I see that happening. We'll just see. I don't, I'm not a fortune teller, but we'll see. But Mags, I see you going forever because. My dad was like you when it come to hunting. He wanted to go every day. I mean, shit, how many times did dad hunt with you when you first worked for us? He dad hunted every single day he could go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And he'd get pissed when I'd make him take off. Yeah, he'd never liked the days off for sure. No, oh, he'd be pissed. I remember one year at the end of the year, it's the end of July, January, and we're tired. I mean, freaking 100-day season, we've gone – we hunt – as if it's a 104-day season, we'll hunt 95 days or something, 96 and we were at the last couple of days, and everybody's dragging ass, and Dad goes, oh, shit. I go, what's wrong? <laughs> it's like a little kid at Christmas. I go, what are you talking about? I said, you can't wait for it to get here, and it's over before you know it. He said, same with waterfowl season. It's like, bullshit on that. <laughs> I'm usually, when, I'm ready for it to be over, but by March, I'm ready for hunting season to be here again. I miss the people and the camaraderie and all that stuff. Absolutely, and I remember your dad. He goes, Max, I don't want it to end. Everybody's leaving. That's it. I don't want it. But, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he, and I'll tell you what, talk about digging holes. I'm telling you, he can dig a hole. I remember putting out decoys, and he'd be, Max, where do you want your hole at? And he's here, and he did two customers, and he's doing mine, and he's digging his. Yeah. Uh, he was amazing. Yeah, he was a workhorse for sure. And then it was it was nice because, you know, most of it would be done, and then you would just come in and kind of scoop out a little bit here and there, get it right for your back and your butt and all that, but. You know, you had the you had most of the most of the heavy lifting was already out of the way. He was a workhorse for sure. I mean, until the day he died. There's not very many people that die broke that are as happy as Dad was when he that lived a happier life than him. I absolutely, mean, I mean, absolutely. You you got to chase that happiness. It doesn't matter what you you do, but hey, as long as it makes you happy, that's what counts. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you exemplify that because, you know, we would have a bad day and your standard answer was better than steel mill. You got it, 100%. You don't have to put them freaking metal tarsals on, you know, them boots and, and, and you know, your uniform. Uh-uh. I mean, I get up every day, put a pair of shorts on, sandals, whatever we want to do, and we're, go we're golden, you know. How many young kids do you know that love waterfowl hunting the way that you did growing up? And I, and I did too. I mean, that's, I wouldn't have gotten this business. Absolutely sitting in class, drawing, you know, drawing ducks and geese and looking at Cabela's magazines. How many of that did you actually have? I mean, how many, do you know kids like that today? Younger ones? No, but you know, they're in their forties. I got to, there, there's a few guys out there, but you know, like my nephew, you know, he, he lives in Tennessee, but you know, he's married with kids and you know, Definitely, but oh, he 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 would definitely chase it if he could, you know. But any younger today, it, it's hard. It, it, it's hard, you know. There's too many distractions today. I mean, you yeah. you look at kids today, and they've got 
they've got sports and then they've got um a phone they got a phone yeah no shit i mean they got a phone that's the biggest thing and i've and i'm so guilty of that because i've got i've got a problem and i've just realized it but um they're on their phone too much and then they got sports and then hunting becomes kind of the last thing on their mind nobody who wants to go outside when it's when it's 10 degrees outside and snowing like nobody that's right in the head and you're definitely not going to get a 13 or 14 year old to be like no no no. this is way better than spending hours on tiktok you'll never convince them of that i was so excited to see so many dads and moms with little kids at the squad fest a lot of little kids coming up and visiting and talking to us it did make me nervous when all them little kids would come up and say we listen i listen to your podcast all the time i was like i'm really worried about your parents now <laughs> This is not the best place for kids to listen to all the time. Do not let your parents let you listen to Clay Reed. Yeah. But it, it's just, you know what? It, just like Andy said, it, they, they got too many options today. Yeah. You know, and I grew up, we, we came to the lake house here and, and we fished. I threw the 14 foot boat in. Dad and grandpa cut grass. I threw the nine horse motor. I was fishing. That's it. I'll be back in four or five, six hours, whatever. And that's how it was. I, you know, just loved it. That's a great, but, great childhood. But they do. They have, too, they have too many options. Whatever they want to do. And, and I mean, it's just, it's just where we are right now. Now, Mags, you're the only person I know of that watches turkey hunting videos and actually puts the blind up in the living room to watch them. <laughs> you got to do that, you know, hey? <laughs> or, or a layout blind, you know, you, you know, it, it don't get over it. you know, these guys, when we pick up, you know, we pick up the spread and they come up to me and they say, Oh, now the work begins. And I asked him that one day. I says, hold on here. I said, this work, picking up all these decoys? Oh, this is work. I said, it's not. I said, it's part of the game. I said, work is when you have to go somewhere to a job that you hate. That's work. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not as glamorous as calling in a big flock of geese or shooting into a big flock of geese, but it's part of it. And it's the part that, that, it's the, it's the part that led to the payoff. Yeah, I, did, I, I had a guy, they were kind of like that. We were hiding in socks that day. And um, we set out a bunch of decoys, a lot of silhouettes, lots of socks. And it was kind of one of those things like they, they would think we were done. And then I would go onto the trailer and I'd pull off two or three more bags. And they're like, you could just see them. They were sinking lower and lower and lower every time I'd go onto the trailer. And I was like, guys, like it's, it, this, is, this is our blind today. Like we're not in an A-frame. We're underneath the socks. Like we've got to run a big spread. We've got to run a lot of decoys to keep their eyes off of us and but they would they would just sink lower and lower and lower and then finally i put out about 20 dozen more than what i had anticipated but i was having too much fun jacking with them i would have stopped at like 100 dozen but seeing their attitude i put out 120 it's good i like that it's good you got to you know what these guys don't understand that you have to have decoys to hide in you have to do what you got to do to kill these birds yeah do you do you hide in the do you hide in the in the spread at all or do you a frame it quite a bit? Spread, but majority of the time too, we are using layout blinds. But what we do is we throw the snow covers on the layout blinds, and then we put all the white socks around us. That's smart. That's smart. And then you just you just snow covers over it, socks over the top, and it blends right in. Right in. Well, and then this way you don't have to worry about everybody having a Tyvek suit. 
Exactly. Plus two, if it's cold out, you're out of the wind a little bit. It is a little bit warmer, but at least you're getting out of the wind. If you've got a strong north wind, south wind, whatever direction you have your wind coming from. Well, and you're also off of the ground too. So, I mean, you've got this protection between you. Yep, for sure. Yep. The coldest days that I can ever remember is up on the wheat country and you're laying on top of the ground and you've got that, you've got that burlap blanket over you and you're just thinking, motherfucker, I wish this was just a little bit warmer. Absolutely. And that's what's nice. Them guys. And you know what? The clients like it. That's what, you know, they like it and it gives them a little comfort and definitely. A-frames have changed the game. I mean, I'm telling you what, being able to sit up and and put in a heater, which you grew, that's how you grew up hunting. When I watched your your chopping crew videos, y'all were on an edge row with breakfast going with a heater buddy and everybody was just having a grand old time. They find A-frames finally made their way down here and they're nice. They're comfortable. They are nice. And a lot of, you know what, the older gentlemen like them. It's easier for them. You know, they're in a sitting position. They could stand up easier. And plus, you know, like, like the last day of the season last year, we had heaters. We stayed out all day and, and you're comfortable and you're warm. Definitely. Because definitely love them. It's definitely good. You'll hunt all day. That's the one thing about you. Oh, yeah, I will. Whatever we got to do. Not all the time. Majority, we don't. But it was the last last day. Buddies from uh, home came down, and, and that's what we did. We had a good time. We hunted. Because I would remember your first year here, and, you know, you would be out there till noon. It's like, hey, right. you're not going to kill them on the couch. You came here to kill birds. Let's kill birds. Right. Yeah. I mean... What are you going to do? You can't watch cartoons. You got to, you got to be out there. We only have a short time here and we, we got to do it. We just got to do it. Yeah. What, how have you seen everything change since when you first got started? Have you, have, where have you seen the birds shifting to? And I would still like to know where the lesser Canada's are truly at because, you know, for a long time they were here, then they went up to Oklahoma and then Oklahoma has been kind of spotty the last couple of years. I don't think Amarillo has that many birds, has that many lessers. Yeah, I think everything's, uh, you know, sliding over to west, shifting to the west, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, it, it's just one of those things you don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's happening. You know, maybe food, you know, not enough, you know, farming, you know, stuff like that, but. They're definitely uh, sliding over to the to the west. For sure. I, I think New Mexico is going to be the next hot spot to shoot small geese. I really do around the Clovis area. And boy, the guys hunting out there are going to get pissed because they already sent me a message one other time when I said that. Oh, but kind of like it is with the place in Oklahoma with the graders you did that to, or in Colorado, Andy. Colorado. But uh, I, I really believe that the birds are moving further west, like you. But I don't believe the duck numbers. I think the duck numbers are way off. They're skewed somewhere because there's there's millions of widgeons that are missing. I mean, they're just there was yeah. Four years ago, there was everybody was killing widgeons and widgeons and widgeons, and now unless you're in Washington State, nobody's killing the widgeons like they were consistently. And 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 it goes back, yes, for sure. And we need we need we need a normal freaking winter, and then we could really tell what's going to happen if we get a normal winter. Everything, get some snow cover on the ground, get them out of the Dakotas, and then we could really see what, what's going to happen. What's a, what, what are winters like compared to when you grew up, like even in, in your home state of Indiana? Like, do, do y'all even have snow cover anymore? Uh, there ain't much. One year, I think it was two years ago, we got probably 
probably a good seven, eight inches. Mm -hmm. We got pounded pretty good. But no, even not like when I was younger, you know, I grew up, you know, in Illinois. But I mean, we'd have a good, you know, probably two to three feet once in a while. You know, we, we would definitely get that. But now, now it's, it's not even it's not even close. Well, I'm sure when you were a kid, when y'all got snow, it stayed on the ground. Like when you got snow, it was just there until things were going to thaw out in the springtime. Yep, for sure. Yeah. But it's just we definitely need we definitely need a good winter to see what's going on. I got a buddy too up north up in Wisconsin. He hunts Lake Michigan. They didn't even kill a redhead. I think they killed two redheads last year. That's it. And then they shoot a lot of redheads. But never, never showed up. Never seen them. I think we're going to see a big, big change in the um, in the uh, flyway migrations this year because of the drought. There's places that historically have held lots of birds that aren't going to have the birds this year, and there's a place out there that don't hold a lot of birds that something's going to happen. They're going to get a bunch of birds. Someone's going to get a freak September October rain. It may be the us. We might get a a hurricane in oh, September, October, and get 10 or 15. I've seen this happen. We had 17 inches of rain one night in August one year, and it just filled everything back up over, and we had sheet water in places we normally don't. But some places are not going to get any water. The dry land crops are not making. There's not going to be corn on anything that's dry land. And if they don't get something, a bunch of rain in September, October to plant winter wheat, there's not going to be any food sources for the dry land. So there's going to be limited food. So it's going to change some things. We're somewhere that's a mecca for holding a bunch of waterfowl will not have waterfowl this year that normally do. It's just no, going to happen. That, and that's Jeff's right. bold prediction. That's just, unless, yeah, it's going to be. Somewhere in the country that holds lots of birds every year is not going to have very many birds this year. Well, uh, it's just, and, and, you know, we definitely need, again, we all know we need rain for sure. We, we just got to keep just hoping that's all we can do. And well, the speckle belly population is what's crazy to me because they're, they're exploding. They're everywhere. Do you see, yeah, do you I, see them where you are in Indiana? We got them. Yes, we do. Yep. Yep. Actually there, there's a state property actually Kankakee. They got a lot of, a lot of specks around there. They do hold them. Yep. A lot more guys are starting to shoot specks around here for sure. But not ten years ago. Oh no, no, no. If you kill a speck, you were you you were the champion. You know, if you killed one, it was just it was an oddball for sure. Yep. And I don't know what I don't know why they're doing so well and expanding. They're going everywhere. I mean, like you you know you hear they're in Indiana now. Um, oh, yeah. I, but I don't know why I don't know what's leading to their success over other birds yeah I'm, I'm i'm not sure and i think you could shoot three here i think i think it's three two or three and i wonder right. if that's what it is if it's the if it's the conservative limit because here you could only shoot one for a long time and now it's two well in indiana you can only shoot three whereas with canada's you could shoot five you can shoot eight in oklahoma um i don't know i don't know if if the limit on specs has been so low for so long and that's just led to their explosion and we were putting a hurting on lessers and that's where the disparity's coming from. I don't know, but yeah. it, 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 it's, it's weird that of just in the last 10 years, how far the specs have went East. Right. I mean, it's just crazy. And they've went further East and East and, well, and, east. and North. Well, but it, but East, I mean, there was, oh, they, they shot specs in the Dakotas. They've just shifted East. It's not just north. It's just the easterly track. They shoot them in Saskatchewan. Right. They come from the north. They've just all, they've, the whole track has went east. But, I mean, they've always gone to southern Louisiana, haven't they? Yeah, but southern Louisiana has nothing to do with Illinois. 
Illinois is straight above Andy. Louisiana. Andy. North and east. Andy. Look at your map. I don't have a map. That would be Alabama and Mississippi. But it's north and well, east. They went east. I'm not I'm not arguing with you, Jeff. <laughs> not only math, but geography. Knox City school system sucks, I think. No, it's I, very good. <laughs> Bring your kids here. We need them. Bring your kids here. I just think with the specs, you know, just not not many people were really targeting them. Right. And it helps, you know, we're not putting a lot of pressure on them. So that's reason why they're 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 doing good. They are. Um, have you shot a Jack Minor band? No, but we shot one where I'm at. You got Schaefer Lake and Lake Freeman. We shot one off of Lake Freeman, what we call Duck Blind Point Two, and we had a flock of about 15 come in Canada's, and we shot them. And we went to go pick them up. My cousin was holding one when he was held, holding it up, and I could see the long band. I said, "That's a Jack Minor." That's a but I, I was with on that, but I didn't shoot the right side of the flock. So. Son of a bitch. That's one thing yep. I want to do. Where's the one you've hunted everywhere? Where's the one place that you still on your bucket list to go to? Uh, I don't know. I, I was debating to go to Argentina or New Zealand. Oh, there, yep. huh? That's yep. a, that's a I've long flight. I mean, I mean, you know, talking to some guys at Squad Fest. I mean, oh, you got to go to Canada. I mean, when I was working with you guys, man. I mean, it was five star what else do you want right. i mean okay canada canada is beating us by two ducks mm-hmm. what more can you do i mean you go down and shoot your five geese and six ducks i mean what more do you want i would go to argentina and hunt i think that's something i would enjoy to go down there and shoot ducks i would enjoy that um, yeah and what's nice is i heard you can't bring ducks back well it'll say save you money in the long run for all the taxidermy bill but <laughs> take a good picture Get them eight by tens, throw them on the wall, and then you got it. How far is the flight to New Zealand? It's like a day. I'm not going to New Zealand. 27 hours or some bullshit like that? Too far. Yeah. But that looks like a lot of fun. That's what they're doing. I mean, they're they're pounding them right now. Yeah, we were on. New Zealand would be. We did a podcast with Ramsey Russell yesterday on his podcast, uh, Duck Season Somewhere. Is that right? Yep. Is it right? Anyways, uh, that's one dude I'd change lives with. No, you wouldn't. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't change lives with him. But Ramsey Russell's an interesting guy. He's a cool dude. He just got back from where? Argent? Was it Argentina? Well, fucking, he's going back. That's why we had to have us on last week. He's going back next week somewhere. He's a he's got a cool life. Yeah, he's been he's been all over the world. Him? Some spot I don't even know if I would go, but okay. <laughs> Romania? I don't know that I'd go to Romania. China? China? Okay. Got, Mongolia? got stuck in the middle of a road in the middle of nowhere in China. You imagine trying to explain to somebody in Chinese. I can skip by on anything Spanish. I could at least come up with words. I know all the cuss words. And I, I could figure out how to do shit. You throw an O on it, you know, El Tyro for a tire or something. They can figure it shit out. El in Tyro. China, there ain't a fucking clue how I'm going to talk to somebody in Chinese. I couldn't even spell my name in Chinese. They got 570 letters in their damn alphabet. No wonder they're leading the world in science and shit. He's a different. He's a different guy because he's he 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 can just go out. I get I get nervous whenever I have to travel. I couldn't I couldn't do it. And then you got guns. And are you supposed to have guns? What happens if you get caught with guns? What happens if the paperwork's not right? That's why I don't go to Canada. Two for two. Does Ray Ray does Ray Ray keep you young? <laughs> Ray Ray just sometimes he's just ah oh, he's some he's a great guy, great friend, and I'll tell you what, 
Oh, he's just he's he does. I guess if you want to say, yeah, he's like your kid. Oh yeah, oh for sure. Oh yes. Oh, you got to make sure he takes his medicine. Make sure he goes to the doctor. <laughs> all that stuff. We don't go to the doctor. I mean, he is. He's gonna he's gonna what, go to boss and do a. He's yeah. He's gonna be on our podcast with us. One of Mags' friends, Ray Ray's there, and from his massage parlor stories to his just stories Ray, Ray. of his life, it's you just Ray, Ray. have to. I mean, has he always been like that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 He worked for his mom. You know, he still works for his mom and dad after for the carpet store. But yeah. Yeah. You just, you know, he, I met him one day. I was going early goose season years ago, go to my duck blind. And next thing you know, he's, he's set up in front of my duck blind. And I'm like, this was right after Labor Day. So everybody's got to go back to work. I'm coming in with the boat. I'm like, who in the hell's here? I said, hey, what's going on? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'll move. I'll move. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. Are you here with somebody? No, just me and my dog. I said, good. No problem. I said, take your boat. Go go hide it behind the blind, down the way on the dike over there, and then we'll get back in the blind. And and after that, we started bullshitting, and that's how we become friends. And I think it was that season. I see if he wanted to go to Montana to duck hunt, and him and his dad came came along to duck hunt with us. Yeah. Montana. So after that, that, that was it. He got trapped. He's, he's 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 got he's got he's got everything. He's got decoys. He's got it all. He's the only man I know that has ever traded out sex for a carpet remnant. <laughs> I mean, that just how does that even come up in conversation with somebody? I mean, it's just great. Y'all are going to hear that story in a couple sometime in the next month. We're going to have him on our podcast. But just I I wonder how he survives a day without someone helping him though. Oh. So when we were at Squad Fest and we had old Bart's barbecue, so we went to sit underneath the pavilion and all of a sudden he started drinking water and, he, and I could see he was getting ready to pass out or something. I told Chris, Chris, hit him, hit him because he was ready. I was almost getting ready. I'm like, here I, here I go. I'm going to have to dial 911. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden he just turned red, drinking the drink and next thing you know. And then finally he came on. I said, Ray Ray, you can't be doing this. I said, you got to take care of yourself. <laughs> oh, it's weird. I'm telling you what, you get the you get the shit scared scared out of you. It's oh, it's crazy. Well, he quit he quit chewing bubblelicious. I still don't understand how him chewing bubblelicious 17 years ago has made him gain 150 pounds. I don't know. You know what? He just likes to eat. That's the thing. You know, he's done. He gets done on a weekend. He'll work Saturday afternoon till noon, and he'll come down to the lake house and hang out and swim and get in a boat and have some adult beverages and that's it. That's, that's what he loves to do. Well, when he did, he said that, well, I, I gave up. I don't chew bubblicious no more. I, chew bubblicious. I was like, okay. What the hell? All right. What's that got to do with you got an ingrown toenail? Oh, I mean, she well, had nothing to do with anything. Well, when he told you like, I've either, I've either got pants or my bathing suit. Yeah. When you, we were going out to eat dinner and you said, Ray, Ray, did you not bring any, uh, did you not bring some clean shorts or something? Go, well, I had pants or my bathing suit. And I'm like, what, what the fuck did you bring a bathing suit for? We're at Squad Fest. What you think you were going to be doing? You never know. Uh, that, that, that's Ray Ray. It, trust me, he probably packed uh, about two minutes before he left his house. <laughs> well, when y'all when y'all were out here one time, he was him and your dad were flying back, and they were flying back through Lubbock, and he got to the airport, and he said something, told the guy that he don't have a bomb in his bag or anything. And I can't remember and, that yeah. whole story, but. That's, oh, that's my lanyard. It's not a bomb. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> Damn. I mean, he's he's something else. Like you have to just shake your head at him most of the time. 
and just that's Ray Ray. Would you that's ever Ray Ray. Go, would you ever go back to Montana? That's a that's a waterfowl state that I would like to go to. I would definitely go back. Yeah, I would. I would. I know Ray Ray and his dad been there a couple of times last couple of years and it's kind of hit and miss. You know, the one I think two years ago they were up there and then they got froze out. They they had to actually come back because that was it. They they were froze out. That was it. That's all they could do. But uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you what we shot. We shot everything. I mean, it was definitely a good good place to go for sure. We hunted a lot of water, a lot of WPAs. That's what we hunted. Really? What uh, have you done, Idaho? No, Idaho. Nope. Nope. I would like to do Idaho. I'd like to do Montana and Idaho. Yeah, Idaho would be good. Uh, Alex Langbell was telling me like it's just insane, it, it, Montana, because that's where he is now, Montana, and he's like, I, I got it in my, in my backyard. I got birds everywhere. It seems like a paradise there. Yeah, it is. Montana's great. And where we go, there wasn't really many duck hunters at all. They all pheasant hunted. So it was great. We had to pretty much the whole place to ourselves all the time. Right. What What has the hunting been like in South Dakota the last couple of years that you've gone? Has it been pretty consistent or has it been tough, tougher than what you grew up with? It's definitely not like it used to be. It's spotty. You got to scout. You got to scout every day. You know, what I'll do is you know, you got your WPAs and then you have your private ones that you did past years, got permission. So you always want to save your private ones and go hunt the public first. Go get those, burn them up. But no, it's it's been tough. I mean, I know one time we shot some ducks and we got done and took dad back to the house and another being a buddy of mine. I bet you we started scouting from noon all the way till six in the evening. Oh, really? Just, just to kind of, you know, okay, we, we got some here marked down. Okay, we got a couple ponds where we know we can go. But otherwise, and, and you got to go back and check them every day to make sure there's ducks there. Yeah, Falks has been telling me like it's not what he remembers as a kid. No, no, it's not. I mean, we would go to we would go to a WPA and you'd be done in the first half hour. You're done. You could, you know, if you got two to four guys, you're done. Oh, it was it was unbelievable. If you could go back, I mean, of everybody you've hunted with, and you could pick five guys that you've hunted with in your life to hunt hunt with again, who would you go hunt with? Anybody? Guys that you've hunted with in your life before. Fox is good. Definitely have to have Fox. Definitely uh, Dane. You know, Dane's you know those, those guys. You know those guys. You don't have to freaking. You know, you know you don't have to tell them. Everybody knows what to do. You know. Um. You know, trying to think. You know, and uh, uh, another buddy of mine, Mike Tomzak. He was good. We we would hunt every weekend. So as soon as we leave Sunday, we already had a plan going home, go to work Monday or Friday, and boom, we were back. We were back hunting again. So when you were when you were in the steel mill, were you just uh, every day thinking like planning your escape, kind of like you were in prison? And, oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I hated it. It, it just it just sucked. Yeah. After a while, I decided, you know, I took some uh, FMLA, you know, did that, and then I got back, and then. Then after I was supposed to go back after FMLA and I'm like, yeah, I'll take some more time. Then all of a sudden then they're going, Hey, you got to come in. And I knew I was going to get fired. And I said, no, that's fine because I was ready to go. And then, uh, yeah, that's, then I went back afterwards and then, uh, on Mexico too. I went down there to work in Mexico. Now you did that on the West coast, didn't you? No, he didn't pot golf, golf, the golf. Yeah. Golf. Yeah. Laguna Madre. That's yeah. right. Tell me about that. Y'all shot y'all shot birds on the fresh water. Is that what y'all did? Yes. 
we would get down there. We'd go over uh, Brownsville, get in, and then we'd go to San Fernando. And that's probably about two hours just over the border. And then from the Laguna from San Fernando is probably about another hour. And then we, we actually had a lodge there called Pintail Lodge. And we would hunt. There were some islands would have freshwater ponds there. And ducks need freshwater every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I shot so many ducks. I mean, widgeons, pintails, you know, your gadwalls. And, I mean, we would line up pintails, drake pintails. It was actually sickening after a while because just piles. We were just making piles of them. And is there, what's, is there no limit down there? No regulations? It's Mexico. 15 ducks a day, but, you know, pretty much how I say it, welcome to Mexico and have a nice day. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. it's And now it's it's not the same world that it is that you hunted in now down there. Nowadays, it's dangerous as hell. I wouldn't even go. I mean, I remember I had a 15-passenger van, and my buddy who was the manager, he goes, hey, I'll talk to the guy, make sure you bring your van, and shit, you could still make, you know, we'll rent a van from you, and you're still making your van payment, you know. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Well, I would take people in and out of Mexico. Well, one day I didn't realize I had four boxes of shells underneath the driver's seat. Oops. If they would have found I would have been done. I'd still be in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, they don't play around. Um, is this place still open? No, no, no. Uh, Los Patos, no, that ain't that ain't even open anymore. No, it's shut down. Is I think it, the cartel is it, owns is it, it just, now, probably. Is it just because of the safety issue that surrounded it? Yeah, that was early, and then my buddy started Pintail Lodge. So Pintail Lodge, same thing. They actually, after the cartel came in and slapped some guys around dove dove hunting, and that's when shit hit the fan, and they are like, hey, you know what? A lot of people were like, we're not going down there. You know, a lot of, a lot of the owners of the lodges – and they said, nope, not going to happen. What did they do? Did they just shake the shake some of the owners down, or did they, like, hustle some of the clients that came? I, I guess the guys were – they had a group of guys in the field dove hunting. Cartel came in. This is, this is the story I heard. And they brought everybody around. Get, get all your clients around. Get, bring them. And I guess they took all their money, their old watches, jewelry, and stuff. And I guess, I guess one of the freaking clients got lippy, and they slapped him around. And I think he was a sheriff, too. I think he was a sheriff in Texas somewhere. Really? Yeah. Who was? The, one of the guys that got busted around was a sheriff in Texas. I think I, th- I th- retired or something. They pistol whipped his ass. But uh, I, there's a story about a guy that's got a place down by Cancun somewhere, outside of Cancun, 50, 60 miles, and a wealthy guy from up northeast and had his private jet, and he would land it in the, an airstrip close by there. The cartel came in there and got his house, took it over. Got a hold of him and said, don't ever come back. If you do, it's our place now. And some bitch walked away from a $2 or $3 million home and never been back. I mean, it's either yeah. that or your life. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a lot to someone that doesn't own a 2 or $3 million house. But if you got a 2 or $3 million house in Mexico on a private jet, you probably can afford to live without it. Yeah. But yeah. It just, it's hard to believe, but there's no recourse there. You're not going to get nothing. The government's yeah, not going to help you. These people, they can't call the cops. No, because they own the cops. They own the cops. Oh, they came and rolled me up. Well, and I know Pintail Lodge, they had a nice lodge and they had all small, little, nice, small trailers. Each client would come in, there'd be a little living room, and you had your own bed and your own uh, uh, bathroom, too. So that was nice. But after everything hit the fan, shit, I think the windows. They took windows out of the place. Yeah, it's probably destroyed. Just nothing. That's terrible. I Such know people that go place. go fishing down there, and they still go to the fishing lodges and stuff. But when, even like when we go to Cancun or Puerto Vallarta, we've been to both this year. 
if you get outside of the beaten path, there's no help to call for you. No. Now, they don't want to jack with the American tourist. Most American tourists that go down there that have problems are doing shit they shouldn't do. Not all of them, but the majority of them are either trying to buy drugs or going to a whorehouse. They're doing something they probably shouldn't be doing. Because the average American tourist that goes down there and goes to a lodge and minds his own business and stuff and just has fun and stays at that resort, they're not going to mess with because they don't want to ruin all that for everybody because that's what they're going to do. Because those cartels own a lot of those resorts, I'm sure, anyways. They don't want to lose all their business. But it's kind of like in Chicago. Majority of the people getting killed in Chicago on the streets are bad people just shooting bad people. You know, oh, for sure. And you know, yeah. there, there are innocent people. I tell everybody all the time: if you want to mess with, some, if you, if if you want to be safe, hang out around a, a motorcycle gang. Motorcycle gangs don't ever jack with anybody that's not a bad guy. Now, you never hear about motorcycle gangs just shooting up innocent people. Mm-hmm. Now, someone's going to send me a deal, of course, because <laughs> where they knew somebody that did. But the majority of them, that that's the way it usually is. Do you go to Chirac at all? No, 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 nope. Don't even want to go there. No, don't don't care to. When I asked you a minute ago if you wanted to share a blind with someone, I thought you'd say Gene Simmons because you're the ultimate Kiss fan. You said somebody that you had shared a blind with already. You what? You know, I I don't put Gene Simmons on, you know, on that, you know. I mean, yeah, here's the deal how Kiss, hey, if it's summertime, I'll go to concert. If it's hunting, sorry, they're pushed back, you know. It's, It's hunting season. He opened up a casino last weekend, somebody said, somewhere in Oklahoma. I seen that on my way back. I was laughing. Yeah, yeah. Him and him and Paul Stanley. They got uh, they got a casino together. Yeah. How many times have you seen Kiss in concert? Probably thirty. Oof. Somewhere in there. Have you met any of those guys? Years ago, I, I've I've met them. Yeah. In, in, in actually in Chicago, probably a west western suburb that they they actually had like like a Kiss convention and stuff. So you, you definitely met them there. When was the last time you've been to Chicago? Oh, jeez. Oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe last year sometime. Maybe driving through, but it has probably been three, four years. Since like you've stopped in Chicago and gone and seen all the sites, eating at Luminati's, it's been a while. Oh, probably four years ago. Yeah. You grew up in the biggest shithole in America, Gary, Indiana, didn't you? Well, yeah, well, I actually grew up in Dalton, so south suburb of Chicago, but we're right next door, Indiana, Hammond, Indiana, all of that. But oh yeah, it's it's still it's still actually I go pick up fireworks in 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 Gary, and they got a new casino, Hard Rock Hard Rock Cafes there. But it's funny because I listen to radio, they don't they oh Hard Rock Cafe in Northwest Indiana, they don't say Gary. <laughs> <laughs> it's that bad there, huh? Uh, it's bad. Oh, yeah. You know what? I can take you guys right now. We can drive downtown. I could take you downtown all everywhere in Gary. I could take you. But when uh, about 10 o'clock, uh, 930, it's, you don't want to be around there in those <laughs> spots. That's the home of Michael Jackson, isn't it? Didn't he grow up in Gary, Indiana? And they got some of his uh, some of his stuff at the Hard Rock Cafe, too. Well, he was a little fucker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why is Gary? Yeah, so. I've never. I, why is Gary such a shithole? It's just a shithole. It's a Mags. Why is it a shithole? It's a Democratic run town, and 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 it's just bad. People killing people, and that's the bad part about it. Years ago, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and it used to be great because it was a steel mill town. You know that that was your life. You know your dad was working steel mill. You got older, boom, you're going to steel mill. It was it was 
fantastic, I heard. But, oh, we go, there's a place we go, we, we pick up fireworks, and we go some back roads and stuff to get to it. And, man, I was telling my buddy, I said, look at this place. I mean, their stoplights don't even work anymore. They ain't fixing them. Forget it. Just throw a stop sign up now. They don't care. They Why waste the money? <laughs> Nobody's going to fucking stop anyway. I think it's like, I think it's all, all the big cities got places, and that's one of the places outside of Chicago. Baltimore, from watching The Wire, which I talk about on their podcast, because I love it. It shows it looks like fucking place in Iraq or you know Afghanistan that's just been bombed to shit and just falling down in ruins. Nobody cares no more. Somewhere down the somewhere down the line, someone's gonna go in and buy all that shit and regentrify it or whatever they call it, and it'll be the new place to go. You know that place oh, yeah. we ate in St. Louis the other day? That was a nice area where we were at. But I bet you didn't have to go very far to get in a shitty area. And the road, the the road was cool too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. What that building say? Eighteen eighty three. It was built. Yes, I think. So Gary, yeah, I'm looking at Gary right on the map. It's just uh, not a good place. What about Michigan City? The further you get out, is that not bad? Where my stores at? It's it's there's sections, you know, but otherwise, uh, uh, everything's pretty good there because you got the outlet mall north of me, and then you got Lake Michigan. You're right there, so it's not too bad. I bet it's a cold bitch there in the wintertime, everything coming off of that lake. Oh, it is. It is definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We uh, we went to Elgin. We went up to Chicago a couple years ago. And <laughs> we got stuck. We went to Elgin. Andy Elgin and told her baby was going to Chicago. <laughs> I did not realize that Elgin is like an hour outside of Chicago. But... We did get to go to, uh, we went to Giordano's. We didn't do Lumanati's. We did Giordano's. Lumanati's is good. You can get that delivered now. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Yep. We got one actually in Indiana here, and it's just takeout. You go in, you grab your, you, you can order or grab the frozen ones. Now, how close does it compare, though, to the frozen one, to the fresh one that comes to your table? definitely get a better for sure but the frozen ones are still good man they're they're dynamite yeah, yeah they are um so when do you you don't know you didn't get picked for south dakota so you're thinking maybe north dakota maybe i just i got some buddies they go to horcon so i'm gonna go Horcon. with them i think we go end of september into october we're gonna go up there and shoot geese now are you gonna do any hunting september one around where you are right now Right now, no, it's too it's too hot, and I don't I don't worry about the early birds, you know. I don't I don't it, I don't worry about it. They got to be nasty. Can you imagine this heat dome keeps up though, and its season opens in South Dakota? What two weeks? Or North uh, Dakota. North Dakota has that August season in a month. They all they all open up like the end of September, like that, that Saturday. So it, it opens up pretty yeah. It's, it's right around the corner. But North Dakota has that August season. Like August 15th, it opens up there. Boy, be a hot, miserable fucker there. August 15th, yeah. Mm. Josh and uh, a couple, uh, well, it was Forrest and I Kyle. guess Cade Tricky. And Kyle Jones. I guess it was all of them, four of them. They did that August season in, in North Dakota, and they had success, but I just can't wrap my head around shooting honkers that time of year. Too hot. Well, yeah, it's hot, and here's the thing. You know, if you pile them up and you're out there for a while, well, guess what comes around? You got the flies. You better have a big cooler, throw them on ice or something, because that's the problem. You get the flies starting to get around them, and you got to watch. 
Um, Fuck that. They don't even sound fun. They're doing, they did a uh, uh, elk season in Nebraska, I think in July. They're that big of a problem. But like we were talking, like you can't, you can't clean an elk that fast when it's 100 degrees outside. That son of a bitch is going to spool before you ever even get to the second side. Yeah. Or unless you've got a crew, but you're right. Yeah. You got to carry him out of there. Yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, you got to get him rolling. Yeah. Alex and Alex or Blake the other day had was on the in the tractor doing something spraying, and a big four by four elk was in the um, ran out from under the by the tractor. I mean, a nice I just, elk. I just can't believe they're that big of a problem. Oh, they eat a lot of shit. I mean, you got to have a lot of elk destroying a lot of shit for them to be like, no, shoot them in July. Did you see deer coming out here this morning? No, there was deer. I come out here a lot earlier than you did this morning. There was deer everywhere, and it rained. We had some rain last night. We got two. In, we got a quarter of an inch of rain to a half inch of rain here at the lodge. But these deer have been sitting under the trees by Tony's pond. And they go from the shade right to the water. I mean, they don't even try to hide from you no more. They're just sitting there waiting with their tongues panting. I feel sorry for them. But yeah, we got a nice rain this. We had a nice rain. Hundred and fifteen freaking degrees yesterday, and we had a half inch of rain last night. Out of nowhere. We, but it's gone now. Yeah, I, I mean. mean it was good you, for the grass, though. You wake up and it's already it's already gone. Yeah, so, we need more. What's the at Horicon? It's it's is it two birds? Three, three. So that'll be a nice little. Be a nice and my buddy, they got their farmers, so they got all the connection and everything. So and there's no pressure. You go and have a good time. That's what I need. I need more of that in my life. Too much. Yeah, pressure. you don't have to. To worry about nothing, have fun. Hey, you kill them, you kill them, you don't, you don't. What you know, so more people need that attitude. More people, more hunters need that attitude of just let's go out, let's enjoy each other, let's watch the sunrise, let's see Mother Nature. And if we, you know, just enjoy the birds that you do get to call in. If it's one nice big bull mallard greenhead that just does it absolutely perfect, well, we got to see that. Mags, that barn you're in right there is the place that someone 50 years from now is going to stumble upon and they're going to hit the jackpot on old decoys. Oh yeah, dad dad's got all kinds of stuff here. It's 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 uh it's yeah, yeah, he's got all kinds of and we got a bathroom in here. We walk through the bathroom, there's more decoys up on the shelf too. Did you uh did you listen to that John Dieter episode that we had? The old he's got the old auction of the decoys? With that duck call, that was amazing. You got to get that magazine. I don't know if they're still doing it. Call them up. We used to go to one auction. They do. It used to be at Pheasant Run in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And I think we moved a little bit wherever it is. So I went with Dad. Dad would go. We'd go. And I'm like, they had these little miniatures, the whole set. And I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. I had some money in my pocket. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to maybe bid. The first thing <laughs> they started out, and I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. That, yeah. was, that was everything. But yeah, they sent uh, they sent us the one that they're having an auction uh, July 29th and 30th, and they sent us the catalog, and it's there's stuff in here for like 300 grand. I mean, it's it's impressive. But I mean, it's a well put together magazine, and I think a lot of people that come in the office will enjoy it. So yeah, you need to call whatever number he said and just get it there or get it sent to you because it's cool. Oh, I will get that. Yeah, that. That would be good for sure. Yeah, we but, got some old stuff. Dad's got some. Actually, you know, Jeff was talking about on that podcast about Masons. So yeah. my grandfather had Masons. And guess what he did? He put an eye screw on the, on the back of it, hung them up in the rafters in the basement. Really? Well, at that time, you didn't think of 
Oh, yeah, here's another story. Buddy of mine's a taxidermist years ago when he started out, Purdue's. So he found, I guess one guy had Purdue's, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, he took the glass eyes out of them because he wanted the glass eyes for birds for mounting. Oh, my and gosh. Oh. So dad, there was a guy that came over and uh, brought two, a pair of, I don't know, they could have been mallards. I would assume they were. And they were Purdue. Gave them to dad. And dad, he goes, hey, Bob, you take these. You don't know. So dad took them to that place, pheasant run, that auction. And so there's, they actually have a little place you can actually go and take them there. And people could check on them and look at them, you know. And he walked in there with them. And it was like piranhas. They wanted them really? bad. Really? Yeah. Said, we'll take them both for $5,000 because they were Purdue's. So dad's like, okay. So he went back and talked to the one guy, Billy, that gave him. And Billy's got five kids and says, hey, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you take these. I don't need the money. But if not, they're going to go on my shelf. So so dad gave them back to him. And I think he ended up selling them, but I'm not sure for what. But yeah, they were Charles Purdue's. Yeah. Damn it. There's one in here. Swimming Brant, Nathan Cobb Jr., Cobb Island, Virginia. Last quarter, last quarter of the 19th century, two to three hundred thousand is what it's uh, is what they're thinking. November auction, it was sold for two hundred and forty-one thousand five hundred dollars. But that's great. I'd love to go in the room Brandt. with these people that have these, and the the, the and just the walls. I bet they go in a room and they close the door and they just sit and look at their stuff all night long. Oh, I, yeah. I've yeah. heard sports yeah. collectors do that shit. Those people that buy the Babe Ruth crap. Yeah. Just there was one, I think it was a shorebird on one of their uh, magazines, one of their catalogs on the front. I forgot what that thing went for. It was a crazy amount of money. Yeah. Providence, this decoy was handed down, was handed down in the Cobb family until a family member co-signed it in 2004 to the guy at Smith Inc. November auction where it sold for two hundred forty-one thousand. So now it's up up for sale again, I guess. You imagine there's that, money. You got that cousin that comes over for Christmas and you're nervous and you're like, where the fuck that decoy go? And that's where <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> I made a lot of money off of that decoy. There's a lot of crazy money out there. That's there it. is. There ain't none of it in my pocket. I can tell you that. No. Well, Mags, we've enjoyed having you on. It's good talking to you again. It was good seeing you this weekend. What was that beer called? That mango wheat beer. That was good stuff. Golden Road Mango Cart. What was the name of it again? Golden Road Mango Cart. It's out of L.A. They make it in L.A. That was a good beer. Mango wheat beer. Very, very, very good. Had a good time seeing you. I'll see you in Oklahoma before long. I've got your Sandhill Crane decoy still. They're in the trailer out back. It's all good. You know where they are? Yep. If you need anything, you let us know. God bless you, my friend. Tell your dad I said hello. Have a good one. All right, All right, bud. See Talk ya. to you later. Bye. Mike Kimmitz, Mags. Interesting guy. Pretty cool dude. Loves to hunt more than anybody I've ever been around in my entire life. 51 and still does it every day. When you read Nash Buckingham, Mags is a poor version of Nash Buckingham. And I'm not saying nothing bad about Mags, just Nash Buckingham I think was a child of privilege, but liked to hunt as much as anybody I know, and Mags is that way. Nash was a man of privilege? Yes. I didn't know what provenance means. I still really don't. Hmm? Provenance? Providence? Provenance. Oh, I don't either. 
Oh, really? No, not for sure. I could probably bullshit you through The place that. of origin or earliest known history of something. I thought that was Providence. Providence. I did not know that. I was, I would have spelt it wrong then. P-R-O-V-E. Yeah, I knew, I know what that means now. I thought that was Providence. That's why I said Providence, and you said no Providence. So if I would have said I didn't know what Providence mean, that, that would have been the definition that you would that, have given me? Well, probably not exactly to that exact status but that's yes pretty close to it everybody look at andy's shirt if you're on camera we got the first family of waterfowl it's at stanfieldhunting.com and you said the blue ones are selling better than these tan ones Uh, we don't have no blue ones left that's mint 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 it wasn't blue it's kind of a it's a mint green teal it's mint teal it's mint anyways they're sold out like brandon sarecki said that's a cool color so i'm gonna be ordering some more mint ones i I would have i meant i missed the boat they, I don't know anything about fashion because I thought these tan ones. No, the mint ones are gone. Would be the way to go. Gone, 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 gone. Gone, long gone with the wind. I'm gonna have to order some more, and I'm almost out of the gray kids ones. I got some U shirts in, and I, I little kids come and got their picture made with me at podcast, and I told them to send me their messages, and I would send them shirts. And I've got one man left. I haven't got his uh, shirt size from, but it was mint colored. I don't know. Turquoise. No, Turquoise. It's, it's, it's called mint. Uh, Bella Canvas mint. Bella Canvas shirt mint is what it was. I just, I missed the, I, I don't know anything about what people want. We could have went Fashion with that wise. and we could have went with a light blue color too. Would look good on it. Like a powder blue with that black on there would look good. I might order some of those just for shits and grins. Jeff, we're not Tar Heels. We don't, we don't do powder blue. That would look good with that black on there. Anyways, you can go to stanfieldhunting.com and you can go to shop and there's our, our shirts are up there. Um, first family will come out again Thursday at seven o'clock. Every Thursday, so Every Thursday it's going to be seven for the next four weeks. No, yeah, three or more weeks now. It will be the twenty first, the twenty eighth, and then what? August fourth, whatever it is. Yes, whatever that is. So that's the schedule for the first family of waterfowl for this season. We start filming August thirtieth for we'll season two. We'll start filming season two rolling at the end of August. Yep. So. Anyways, I don't know how many episodes season two will bring, but it will be more than four. It will be eight to ten. Probably ten is what I'm shooting for. We're going to do ten. Let's do eleven. We're going to do, okay, we'll do eleven. We'll do eleven, just, eleven episodes. Shit, yeah. And then season three will be streaming on a live major deal. Me and you Andy, so, me eh? and Andy will have a lot of money in our pocket at that time, which means we will, I will blow a lot of money, but I will have fun. Yeah, Make your memories. You're crazy if you think that's going to happen. If I think I'm going to blow my money? No, that you think that we'll ever have it. Oh, I have no idea. I don't care. I live a good life. Talking I continue out of your to live ass. like this. I'll be a happy man. I don't know how you're sitting in that chair with all your peacock feathers up. Oh, shit. Here we go. <laughs> I don't right. know how you do it. I, I don't, don't know either. how you walk around with all those peacock feathers. Yeah, I'm just peacocking. 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 Well, chauffeur James, let's get off here. God bless y'all. Have a great week. Thank you. Check out all of our great sponsors. Go check out Dive Bomb Industries. Get that spread of your dreams headed to you before the season starts. Go to Boss Shot Shells, Pacific Calls, Gun Dog Outdoors, Looking Glass Duck Club Podcast, Shin Gear Waiters, Lucky Duck, Bangtail Whiskey, Alpha Outdoor Specialties, Ducks Unlimited, Dirty Duck Coffee, Stanford Hunting Outfitters, and Double T British Kennels.